0: Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I want to start by telling you a story. On a grim, foggy winter's day in London in 1754... Horace Walpole read a Persian fairy tale which brought what he called springtime joy into his heart. To share this new truth, he wrote a letter to an old friend named Horace Mann who was an envoy uh, to uh, Florence, Italy. In the letter, he told him about the thrilling approach to life that he had learned from this folktale and how it had given him an expectant excitement about his daily work. The story, which was written several hundred years early in the 1500s, was about three princes who set off from their country to find wisdom and great treasure. And in this case, it was silk fabric for royal garments. That's what they were looking for. On their trip, they went out and were spending many, many years doing this. Though they did not find the treasure they were looking for, they were constantly surprised by unexpected events happening along the way. They grew in wisdom through these events. One event resulted in trouble and difficulty. In fact, they were thrown in prison for allegedly stealing a camel, which they did not do. And there's a wonderful story. If you read, if you read this thing, it's very interesting. Walpole coined a new term for this kind of insight because the story was entitled The Three Princes of Serendip. Serendip was an island off the coast of India. We know it today as Sri Lanka. And he explained that his most significant and valued experiences had happened to him while he was least expecting them. And the serendipity was more precious than the thing he sought for. I want to read that again because I think it's, it will capture some of the ideas we want to look at today. He said his most significant and valued experiences that happened to him while he was least expecting them, and the serendipity was more precious than the thing he sought for. So a definition of serendipity could be an unexpected, accidental, and sometimes unwelcome discovery of things of which you were not in search of. Things that happened to us that we never expected. Things that were unplanned. Things that were unintended. I like to think of the word serendipity, or serendipity is like a dip of the serene. Life is going along the way, and all of a sudden you hit a pothole. Something happens, unexpected, unplanned for. And yet we find this. I suspect... You've hit a pothole in life. Maybe you've had a serendipity, an unexpected surprise. That's what's going to happen in the passage we're going to look at this morning. And so I'd like for us to look at it. But before we do, I want to go in Acts chapter We're going to look at Acts 16. But in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were on a missionary first journey, establishing churches and elders in Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and uh, places around that area. In chapter 15 of Acts, they had the Jerusalem Council, and there was a uh, uh, thing that had arisen that was, chronic, was concerning to the, to the apostles there because there was a concern that new Gentile believers, the faith had been moving from the Jewish country to the Gentile world, and the, the consideration was should we ask new believers who were Gentile to do the things of the law that the Jewish people did? So they held a Jerusalem council, and a debate ensued. And as a result, the conclusion was that they do not need to keep the law of Moses because we are saved by grace, not by works. And that was the new thing that they were going to proclaim on their next missionary journey. And so as we move to Acts chapter 16, I'd like you to turn there if you have your Bible. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Acts chapter 16, and I'm I'm coming to this passage because this, this passage... And this story has meant a lot to me through the years. It has really given me an anchor in my life in a lot of ways. And I wanted to be able to share it with you today. Acts chapter 16. And now if we are if in a classroom setting, I would ask you when, you, when we read through this passage, find three serendipities. We're going to be looking for three in this passage here. So let's look at them. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Let's look at these serendipities. The first serendipity is in verse 6. Do you see it there? It says, Paul, it says, His companions were traveling through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. You see, Paul, as a missionary specialist, he was traveling through what's called an Asia Minor. We might know it as Turkey and other places in that area today. He was heading west. And I believe, if we could talk to him, he was probably headed to the city of Ephesus. And he was on his way heading west to that place. And this Ephesus was a place, was a Roman provincial capital. It was proud. It was rich. It was busy. It was an international seaport. It was also ungodly home of the Greek goddess Artemis and Roman Diana. It would be a very likely spot for missionary endeavor because oftentimes missionary work can be received when people are in transition and in a city, an urban setting, sometimes that would be a fruitful place to minister. So I'm guessing as a missionary he's headed west to Troas. But what happened? It says he was kept by the Holy Spirit. You see, he wanted to go west, but as a a result, he had to stop in Phrygia and Galatia. If you have a map in the back of your Bible, you could probably find these places. You don't need to do that now, but they're there. If you look in your Bible, you can probably find where these places are. It says he was kept by the Holy Spirit from doing that. Now, what would that look like? How would you know if you're being kept by the Holy Spirit from doing something? It would be hard to know. But I think we have a clue in Galatians chapter 4. If you'll turn over there, if you brought your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look in verse um, 13. Galatians 4, 13. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God and as as if I were Christ himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. See, Paul, on his missionary journey, encountered an illness. Now, I think this event that in Galatians chapter 4 is probably on his first missionary journey. So it's maybe not on this second missionary journey. But nevertheless, he was serving God and he was stopped. Through an illness, we're not told that in the Book of Acts, but we can consider that maybe this was true, and probably he had an eyesight problem. I don't know what happened to his eyes. Maybe he lost his glasses, or he had some more serious problem than that. But clearly, the Galatians they loved him so much they said we would tear out our own eyes and give them to you. That's how much they loved him. So he was struggling with a physical illness at this time. I've been looking at our prayer chain lately. We have a number of people who are struggling with illness. Maybe you are. Maybe you're struggling with something. It was a number of years ago that our daughter Kate was diagnosed with osteosarcoma cancer. She was the senior class president of Columbia National University. She had a heart for the Lord. She was planning to serve as a missionary in other parts of the world. God was leading and calling in her life. And cancer came into her world. And it was very upsetting to all of us as the family. And so we processed through what did that look like for us. She had a plan to serve, but an illness got in the way. Ultimately, it took her life, and she was never able to go. But in the process, she did begin to understand to some degree that the world of cancer was her mission field. Because coming into her room and all the different hospitals we were in were very many international nurses and doctors. And God gave her a very positive ministry among these, among these people. What difficulty are you facing with an illness today? Maybe it's a loved one, a family. Could you see this as something from the Holy Spirit? That he's allowed this in your life? As a serendipity? I don't know. Think about that. Let's look at a second serendipity. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. You see, they're wanting to go northeast. They had been stopped in the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And so now Paul's sitting. They're probably sitting around a campfire wondering, what is God doing? What, What should we do next? Maybe you've wondered about that. What is God doing? What's next? So they wanted to go northeast to where? Not Bithynia. That's where they wanted to go. Bithynia was a place up north. Paul and his crew were wanting to go there. It was a a strategic uh, seaport on the Black Sea. It was a place where many people who had money could go for vacations. They had an elaborate road system. It was quite a popular place to go to. And Paul thought, okay, maybe we should go there. So that's where he intended to go. But what happened? When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter, but... The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Now, if I were Paul, I think I'd be getting frustrated here a little bit. I am trying to serve you, God, and everywhere I go, I'm running into a roadblock here. What's going on? And I bet Paul wondered, too. Have you ever wanted to do something, and it just doesn't work out? Have you ever wondered why and asked that question, God, why? Why is this happening? And what do you do when there are no answers? Kathy and I were, when we were first becoming missionaries years ago, our mission assigned us to go to the Kuchiching Indian Reserve in northern Ontario. We were going to learn Athabascan language and learn to minister among the Athabascan people. Of Northern Ontario. And we were excited about that. And so we actually went up to Fort Francis, Ontario. I met with the chief on the reserve there, the Indian Reserve. He welcomed us into his presence and said, You can come have a ministry on our reserve. We will welcome you. Well, we were excited about that because that doesn't always happen. So Kathy and I went into the local town. We put a down payment on a house. We were ready to go and we got on the airplane and we flew back to Charlotte. Uh, from northern Minnesota where we got on the plane. And a letter from the Canadian consulate was waiting for us because uh, several months before we had gone down to Atlanta, to the Canadian consulate, and met with the consulate uh, general to try and get permission to get a visa to move into Canada. It actually wasn't a very happy experience. That consulate was not very happy about missionaries going into Canada. He said, leave those people alone. They, they have a good, their religion's good enough. Don't, don't bother them. So when we got back to Charlotte, here's a letter waiting for us. Kathy's mom had it in the car when they picked us up at the airport, from the Canadian consulate saying, No, we are not going to allow you into Canada. And we were incredibly disappointed. That's what we felt like God was calling us to do. And we were so convinced this was a roadblock from Satan that we moved physically to International Falls, Minnesota. And we began to work across the border, like on a tourist visa kind of of situation where you could go in, in the process trying to gain permanent access to Canada. In the end, we never obtained that visa. It's the only time it ever happened to our mission agency. And we had friends who were friends with Prime Minister Trudeau. We had friends who knew people in the legislature in Winnipeg. Everybody said, no problem, we'll get you in. No one was able to get us in. We hit a serendipity, a roadblock, an unexpected surprise. i got an interesting quote I want to read to you. If we follow where no voice is heard, no vision seen, then the hour will come when his plan will be revealed. Then we will understand and can say, By God's grace, I desired to go a certain way, but circumstances prevented it. You have some circumstances in your life right now? Circumstances that you can't quite figure out and quite fully understand? Maybe so. That's what we have. We had some circumstances we couldn't understand. In the end, God took us not only from Canada. He sent us to Alaska. To have a ministry among the Eskimo, the Indian, the Alvey peoples there, and then allowed us to have opportunity to help open a new field in Siberia across the Bering Sea, uh, north of China. So God gave us new opportunities that arose out of a closed door. Going in God's direction always involves a risk. A risk in belief that God knows what He's doing. Can you trust him when the circumstances go south for you? Let's look at a third serendipity. Verse 8, So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now Troas would be a great place for a missionary, right? Troas was a very important city. It was a place that you would think every missionary would want to go. It's a seaport. It's kind of the, the land, it's on the landmass between Asia and between Europe. It's a place that had money. It was a place that um, it is cosmopolitan. It was wealthy. It was like a city state. It, has, it was a wonderful place. And yet, it was a very needy place. If you know your Greek mythology or your history, however you want to call it, 10 mile, this city was 10 miles north of where Troy was located. And where the Trojan horse, you've heard that story, would have, been, would, have, would have taken place. This is where Paul wanted to go. Did Paul get to go there? No. What happened? During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. You see, Paul had the visions that... This would be the place. And God said to him, nope, that's not the place. I've got another place for you. He says, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You know, sometimes God narrows our choices in his sovereign will. But we noticed here that Paul and his companions immediately obeyed God. They really probably were struggling all along the way. What's happening here? When they finally got God's direction, they obeyed immediately. How are you doing at obeying? How am I doing at obeying God immediately? Sometimes by narrowing our choices, sometimes God opens wider horizons. The famous early missionary to China, when he was in China, he became ill. And he had to move back from China back to London. And he was discouraged because this sickness had taken him away from his ministry. His, his health had failed. While he was in London, he decided with the, the advice of others to start writing what they called Awakener Papers. The idea was to awaken the people of Britain to pray for China and by putting this out publicly to recruit missionaries for China. And those, they created some maps, and they created these papers, and they distributed them among the churches. And God did some wonderful things. God raised up a whole new level of prayer for China, and out of that, many missionaries went on to, to China. In fact, it so revitalized Hudson Taylor, he was able to go back after God restored him to health. But God set him aside for a while, through his serendipity because he had a a bigger purpose for him in London. I'd like to suggest that there are some lessons for us to live by out of these three stories, out of these three serendipities. The first one is, God reigns and rules over all of life's events. They are not by chance. These illnesses... These circumstances, these things that happen to us, are not by chance. They are part of God's sovereign will for each of our lives. He reigns and rules over all of these events. Psalm 103, 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Isaiah 46:10 says, I make known the end from I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God's in control. He is moving and shaping us for His purposes and for His glory, which we will see. So, first of all, God reigns and rules over all of life's events. Do you really believe that? This is an important step in understanding how we deal with the circumstances that come our way. Secondly, Sometimes the stops of life are as important as the goes. Some of us are on the go all the time. We've got plans. We've got things to do. We've got things figured out. We're going. We were going somewhere. And sometimes God says, stop. Sometimes we don't like that stop. I know I don't. In 1923 or 24, I forget exactly the year, a missionary was and his wife were, felt God's call to go to Japan to be a missionary. And they were making all their plans to go, and they did. They packed up all their stuff. They went to New York City to get on a ship to go over to Japan. They put everything on board, and they stayed just overnight, and they were going to get on the ship the next morning. That night... The ship caught fire, burned and sank in the harbor. Now, you didn't get on the next flight in those days and head on over. This was a huge setback for them. During that experience, they got a phone call for some ladies in Columbia, South Carolina that said, we would like to see a new Bible college started. Would you come help us lead and start this Bible college? And so they sensed God's calling on their life and that's what they did they went to columbia and started what is called columbia bible college now called columbia international university some of you will know this school we've had some people here from there you see god stopped them because he had something else for them where has god stopped you do you see what god's trying to do May I suggest that they ultimately becomes part; they become part of God's yeses. As He stops this, He opens other doors and gives yeses. A third principle to live by: many serendipities will be wonderful. Now we've talked about a lot of serendipities that are difficult, illness and circumstances, and things that don't go right; they don't go the way we want. But obviously, some circumstances go well, and some of the situations that we have. And I was reading just and I won't take the time to talk about this, but the law of buoyancy, the law of gravity, the, found, the finding of the X-rays and even the discovery of penicillin were all by accident. They were not done with they just didn't just figure them out. It's like, "Wow, this just happened. Some of these serendipities will be good. You'll, you can look back in your life and see wonderful things that God has done in your life. But that's also a dip of the syringe. We're going along the way, and God maybe brings something good into your life. Isn't that great? We can praise God and thank Him for those things that He brings to us. The fourth thing we can do is to wait for the revelation of His will. I remember when we got the call, the text that Pastor Mike had had a hunting accident, and we immediately went to prayer. And Kathy and I ended up being in Spartanburg, and though we knew we shouldn't go visit the hospital, we just um, connected with uh, Loretta and gave her a few little gifts and gave her Bible verses. This is the Bible verse I gave to Pastor Mike on that day: John 13:7. Jesus replied, "You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand." I think that is an incredible principle. We don't understand what God is doing right now, but later you will. And Mike may not even know that yet. How is God using that to shape him and to shape us as a congregation? Because I believe he will. Fifthly, God uses illnesses, hard times, and times of uncertainty to direct us the challenge for us is to embrace them. Usually we fight them. We complain. We argue. We ask God to change his mind. We, we, we do all kinds of things. But let's embrace what God brings into our lives because he's using those to shape each one of us. Number six, believe and trust through the darkest pain, And this is the hardest part, right? Believing and trusting. In the darkness. When you can't see and you don't understand and it's uncertain, it's very difficult for us to do that. God never promises us quick fixes or no pain and suffering, but rather His presence to be with us as we experience those. Psalm 73, which are really really verses that I've really hung on through many years in my life, These, these verses are powerful to me. Psalm 73, 26, and 28. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. Is your flesh and your heart failing for some reason? Is God the strength of your heart? He's the only one that can sustain us through challenges and difficult times. Deuteronomy eight says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Two things that we're likely to be susceptible to, right? Fear and discouragement. As we live... In God's sovereign will, we do not have to be afraid and we do not have to be discouraged. I'd like to ask you a couple questions. What serendipities are you experiencing right now? Think about it. How are you responding to that? Are you worried, perplexed, anxious, confused, stressed out, up against a problem you don't understand? Are you even angry at God? Go back and look at these seven lessons. I don't know if it's possible, with sharing for you to put these seven things back up there. Is that possible? Can they all get on one screen or not? I don't know. If you can't, that's okay. These seven principles, lessons to live by, which one of these do you need to focus on today? Let's be concrete about this. I'm struggling with these areas. Let me just reread them. First, God rules and reigns over all of life's events. They're not by chance. Sometimes the stops of life are as important as the goes. Many serendipities will be wonderful Wait for the revelation of his will. God uses illness, hard times, and times of uncertainty to direct us to just embrace them and believe and trust through the darkness and pain. Which of these do you need to focus on today? If we can bring, if we can live out of these biblical truths, we will give God the glory. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 111. I'm going to read this Ephesians 1.11. In Him we also were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Let me read that again. He works all things out with. He works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. So that's what we have to accept. In order that we who were the first, first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. Could you view your circumstances, your serendipities, as the opportunity to bring God glory? Or is it the opportunity for you to complain and grovel and be discouraged? Which will it be? I know which one I want it to be. And I know it's not easy and it's not hard. But as we submit to God's sovereign will, And his knowing that he is good. We sang about it today. God is so good. Do we really believe that? Even when we're ill? Even when circumstances are completely confusing? Are we really trusting him? I hope so. Would you bow your heads, please? In the quiet of this moment, will you give your serendipity to God? Truly? Do you need to repent for your desire to know and control all things? Will you affirm or reaffirm your trust in His purposes for your life even when you don't understand them? Will you allow Him to release you from fear and anxiety over these things? And will you trust Him? for his outcome, since he is good and wants what is best for you, even though we may not see it at this moment. Father, I thank you for this reminder today that when life throws a curve at us and we hit a pothole and we have serendipities, unexpected surprises along the way, Lord, you're there. You know. In fact, you are working out your will in each of our lives. To the, to the glory of God. And Father, we want to participate with you in that today by giving to you the serendipities that we face even this morning. Lord, increase our faith and increase our trust that we might give to you all the concerns that we have. Lord, we know it's not easy and it's a challenge, but Father, we want to ask you that you would embolden us in our faith that we might trust you more fully for all that you want to do Even in the challenges that we face in this life. Thank you, Father, for giving us your promises and your presence and helping us to know that you have a plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.